Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was... At that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC. It's just amazing. West Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5. The Game. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, and Chris Clark along with you on this Wednesday. Uh, guys, I'll just kind of start off with the the news that I was talking about to close out the extra point there. All this uh, coming to light in the last hour. Uh, Jalen Carter, the defensive uh, standout for the University of Georgia that was projected to possibly be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, An arrest warrant has officially been... Um, put out by the athens Clark County Police Department for him on misdemeanor charges uh, relating to his involvement with the accident that took the lives of uh, Chandler LaCroix, the recruiting staffer for UGA, as well as Devin Willock, the offensive lineman from uh, January the 15th. Um, and I read the athens Clark County um, official statement a few minutes ago, and all this kind of stems from him uh, basically street racing a Jeep Trackhawk uh, with LaCroix's 2021 Ford Expedition that led to the uh, that vehicle crashing and claiming those uh, those two lives. Yeah, that was a obviously a tragic situation. I mean that I think you always have to lead with that when you're talking about it. Um, just knowing some people who cover the Georgia program or around that program, um, they were pretty broken up about what happened. I mean, obviously with anybody with sure. anybody this happened to, it would be a terrible thing, but. You know, Devin Willick, everybody seemed to really, really love him. Uh, same same with Chandler LaCroix, the, the young lady who lost her life, too. Um, there were just so many, like, positive reports that came out about them after this. So, obviously, that was a horrible thing. And now, kind of back in the news again because of this. Um, you know, and, and the issue for Jalen Carter, obviously, is from, from the reports, it indicates that he kind of had given a couple different stories, and that can all that's always going to, you know, affect your future and affect um, how things may be pursued here. So, hate hate to see it because a, a tragic, you know, set of decisions, you know, by everybody that led to this event. Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll just add, um, it, it is I'm sure one of those things where if you're if you're a young person, or you're in college, and you know, you probably feel a bit invincible, and um, I think I think you summed it up, man. Poor decision making. Um, the official, I guess, statement here uh, via Seth Emerson um, is that uh, they found that they were driving in a manner consistent with racing shortly after leaving downtown Athens at about two thirty a.m. So you have 
uh, you know, it, it appears, you know, allegedly alcohol involved. Um, you have high rates of speed involved. You have, um, you know, maybe some competitive juices flowing and some some uh, goofing off behind the wheel as well. And just, uh, I think, an, an unfortunate thing, obviously, for for everybody involved. And, it, and it's going to... It's going to get put eventually and probably already, guys, because this is the day he was supposed to speak at, uh, you know, the NFL Draft Combine. It's going to be put into the prism of football and athletics. And, um, you know, that, that's going to happen when you're talking about an athlete, and especially when the everybody involved was, uh, you know, involved with their program. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's sort of you got to look at it beyond that and just this is a – very unfortunate situation for for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, the the storyline, a lot of them is going to be about Jalen Carter and how this affects his draft stock. I mean, you're, you're looking at some of the headlines now and, you know, potential number one pick. There's been talk about the Bears moving that pick. Uh, he, amazing player, obviously. Um there have been a lot, and Tyler, I know you were hitting on this last hour, mm-hmm. some of the reports that were kind of odd in a way, you know, coming out kind of out of nowhere about his character and things like that. And now you got this coming out, and, that, and that's going to draw, like, the lion's share of the of the attention, or, may, or maybe not the lion's share, but, like, too much of it. Right. Um, when what this is really about or probably should be about, in my mind, is is about the decisions and, and kind of what happened. And... um how tragic the situation was. And, you know, me, I, I look at something like this and I kind of am thankful because I think about my time in college and some of the stuff that I did in high school and college and just, you know, you, you get a little older, hopefully mature a little bit and just realize, I mean, it it could happen to anybody. You know, it's kind of like a, a life is precious type thing. And um, just hate to see it. It's not much more to say other than that. Yeah, and I mentioned this at the top of last hour. I think I think yesterday actually would have been Devin Willock's twenty first birthday. So again, the timing yeah. of all this just very very unfortunate, but but tragic regardless. And um, again, all this really coming out in the past hour. So um, you know we'll, we'll 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 see what comes of this. And uh, I believe just reading some reports here, it looks like Jalen Carter has already left Indianapolis, assuming heading back to Athens and uh, you know dealing with this matter. And um, you know we'll 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 see what happens. Happens going forward. Wes, you were in uh, Georgia over, what, last weekend? Days are flying by. Sunday, yep. Sunday, yep. Golly. Sunday was only a few days ago, and it seems super, super like a long time ago. But you had a chance to check out some of South Carolina's top targets there, um, recruiting targets. Pretty, maybe not as packed of a camp as maybe we thought it might be, um, but a lot of guys there, right? Did you come away with any big picture observations about whether it was, um, you know, just recruiting scoop or just some observations on how some guys look there in Atlanta? Yeah, I would say the first guy and, you know, most relevant person to talk about would be Michael Smith. Uh, He was the lone South Carolina commitment who was there. And, you know, it's... It is a little bit unfortunate, I feel like, how, I don't want to say the camps don't matter. They definitely matter. But more and more top guys, I feel like, are just sort of saying, eh, I already got my offers. I don't really need to go to camp. So, I, you know, I, I would have, there were some other guys I would have liked to have seen, you know. But I, I think with with Michael Smith, I, 
I sort of felt like he doubled down on kind of his claim to four-star status. He's currently, I think, the number seven tight end in the country. And, you know, without seeing the other, you know, six guys ahead of him and then the next five or six guys after him without, like, diving into it like that, um, you know, that that feels right. He He even felt maybe, to me, like a guy, Chris, who could move up a little bit. We already saw the film. The film is very good. Um, you know, versatile guy, can go out, can make plays uh, down the field, uh, you know, play some wide receiver, play some actual, you know, tight end attached to the line. I, I would say probably my, my biggest takeaway, though, Chris, is that, first of all, I had, I had him pegged kind of more along the lines of pass-catching tight end potentially balanced guy. I more and more feel like this is a balanced guy that can do pretty much anything for you. He he was bigger in person, just kind of eye test, like bulkiness, thickness, frame. He was bigger than maybe some of the more, the, the guys that can pass catch like him and have the athleticism, the ball skills that he does. Generally, those guys are just a little bit thinner. And so he's got some bulk to him, which I like to see. He did make a, a nice catch down the field, which I had posted on Twitter. Um, you know, if people want to check that out, where he went up over the top of a guy. We knew that was there. But I, I just like seeing how bulky he is. And even talking to him after, you know, we, I was kind of joking with him. And um, he he brought up, um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a true tight end. He's like, he's like, I was listening to some podcast. And they said I was a wide receiver, um, which I, I thought, you know, in my head, I'm Did thinking. Did I say that? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, I don't even say, I was like, I hope that wasn't me. Um, I was like, I think people are probably telling you that as a compliment. Like, hey, you yeah. have wide receiver skills. Yeah. And, but he took it like, nah, man, I'm not just a pass catcher. He's like, I'm willing to get in there attached. I'm willing to block. Yeah. And. So I just left. I mean, I think we were both already pretty high on this kid. I know Carolina is extremely high on him. I moved, Chris, I moved the floor. People maybe hear us talk about that sometimes. The ceiling is in an absolute perfect world. Everything works out. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. How good can this guy be? What is the upside? Is the upside number one pick? Is the upside first round? Is the upside top three rounds? What is the best case scenario? The floor, to me, a lot of times you have guys where you might say, man, this guy is huge upside, but they're very raw. That would be a situation where you would say the floor is kind of low. I left the camp, Chris, sliding that floor up just a little bit more. I kind of feel like Michael Smith is not only an impact guy for Carolina, but probably an early impact guy for South Carolina. Yeah, and that's very interesting. Does that and surprise you at all? Not at all. I mean, I think uh, 
Uh, now I'm literally wondering if Michael Smith was listening to maybe a maybe a GC live and 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 call it that because I I definitely didn't say Michael Smith is more of a wide receiver than a tight end. I think if I'm remembering correctly, I might have used the terminology that as a pass catcher he looks like a receiver in a tight end's body. But again, compliment. Yeah, maybe he, we'll have to clear he this said, up. He said it wasn't us. So oh okay, well but maybe I, he might have been saying that. He might have been giving us some grace. <laughs> giving so. a, yeah. Um, but, but I mean, that to me is the bigger question. A lot of times with most high school tight ends or tight end types, I guess you could say, because they've kind of evolved, you know, over time, but guys who can do the true two way, you know, when they can block and catch passes, they're going to be extremely valuable to an offense. And so for me, it's not really that blocking was something that I didn't think Michael Smith was capable of. I think it was a little bit more of a question, right? Because what you see on film, and certainly what you're most impressed with on the film, is because literally when he's running around, right, this guy looks like a bigger wide receiver. Just in terms of catching the ball, you go and look at his highlight tape. You know, he's running vertical routes, going out, snatching the ball out of the air, catching it over his shoulder. He's got natural receiver skills. And so I think... You know, just pointing that out, that gives him a lot of upside as a pass catcher, especially if he can, which he probably will, keep that speed and athleticism as he continues to get a little bigger and stronger at the college level. He's got, we've seen him in person. You saw him in person this weekend. He's got the frame to where he can continue putting on the weight. But the question there is, you know, or or about any guy, not just Michael Smith, is he going to keep the athleticism is he athletic enough at the college level, at the SEC level, which he is? And then is he willing and able to be a blocker? And so I, I've, I've heard it from a lot of people. You know, half the battle is being willing to block. And so having that mentality, I think, as you said, as you put it, it lowers that ceiling or it lowers the floor and it raises the ce- or raises the floor raises and the, the ceiling. Floor. I shouldn't use that analogy anymore. Yeah, it raises the raises floor. the floor, maybe even raises the ceiling a little Potentially bit. Potentially raises the ceiling. I was talking to Trey Knox last night, and I know we'll, we're going to talk a lot about tight ends maybe today. I want to talk about Trey Knox a little bit more, but he he was talking about blocking, moving from wide receiver to tight end, and um, he he was one of the guys that I've heard say it's half the battle. Just mentally, you have to be willing to get in there, get dirty, stick your face in there, and and go block a guy. And so for Michael Smith to already be showing that mentality, to not be fighting that, to be willing to embrace it, I think is, is certainly a positive sign. Stick your face in the fan? Is that a, that are you about be. to throw a, a Muschampism in there? I just kept it to stick your face in there. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into that conversation <clears throat> that you had with Trey Knox on the other side. You're listening to the Garnet or the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. Broadcasting live from the Herndon Chevrolet Studios, this is 107.5 The Game. A great selection of new Chevys is available now at Herndon Chevrolet. The lot is packed with inventory and more is on the way. So shop your hometown Chevy dealer today. Stop by or shop online today and see why Herndon Chevrolet makes you smile. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Back in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler, Wes, and Chris, along with you, continue our conversation about tight ends. And Chris mentioned briefly there that he had a sit-down with Trey Knox, 
the other day and uh, reading in this interview that you had with him talking about that wide receiver, tight end, hybrid position, he mentioned a lot of what Dow Loggins is going to attempt to do with the offense is kind of use him in that almost Kansas City type of way, spreading him out, using him in that wide receiver type of role, which for a guy like Knox, who's only going to have the one year here, uh, use that very valuably as a chance to really make an impact. Yeah, it, it was a really interesting conversation. Trey, first of all, really, really insightful kid, kind of a, a deeper thinker, and really went into a lot of detail um, on kind of his journey to South Carolina. Uh, go check out that interview, GamecockCentral.com, shameless plug. And um, he was talking about, you know, a, a lot of it about Dowell Loggins and even Trey Knox, who played for him at Arkansas um, as his position coach. It'll be a different role this year because Loggins is not going to be his position coach. Jody Wright will. He'll be in the tight end room, but he will be overseeing the offense. And, of course, he'll still be working together. And he has a good rapport with Dow Loggins. He has a good rapport with Justin Stepp, who was also at one time his position coach at Arkansas and the guy that recruited him there. Um, to some degree, or to, to a large degree, Trey and all the other players are still very much getting a sense of you know, what exactly the offense is going to look like. They, they know some of the concepts, and you know, tempo and some of the different things they're going to be doing that they've seen, but they haven't even gotten into spring ball hmm. yet. That'll begin in the next couple of weeks. And so, you know, he's excited from what he told me um, to get into that. Wes, before we continue on the Trey Knox conversation, would you like to take a moment to tell people about what today's sub of the day is at Firehouse Subs? I believe, uh, according to sources, it is the New York Steamer. Uh, you can get that mm. today as your sub of the day, which means seven ninety nine. Um, we won't even tell them about the smaller one. Just go ahead and get the larger one. Seven ninety nine sub of the day every single day. Like every day, there is a new one. Not just when we're in here to tell them about it. There's one for Saturday. There's one for Sunday as well, Chris. Uh, but today, it is the New York Steamer. Go to FirehouseSubs.com or download the app. Do the rapid rescue. No matter where you're at right now in Columbia, I promise you there's a Firehouse Subs pretty close to you. If you need to step out for lunch, order the sub on the app before you leave the office. Go pick it up, and basically you've just freed up any time you would have spent wasting on the food, like waiting somewhere else. So now you have like, I don't know, man, an extra 15 minutes of lunch that lunch time that we've just provided with people. Yeah, outstanding. Firehousesubs.com. Uh, you made it sound so good, and uh, so I might have to go check it out again after the show today. Uh, if Trey Knox listens tomorrow to our show, I'm, sh I'm sure all the players and coaches sit around and listen to our show. He may be interested in tomorrow's sub of the day, Wes, the spicy Cajun chicken. We were talking food last night, of course. We inevitably go there with players, and he was talking about the versatility of chicken. So spicy Cajun chicken would be a good one for him to check out. He's also talking about his journey to put on weight. So when he got to Arkansas, this is a former four-star wide receiver out mm -hmm. of Tennessee. He was 205 pounds and 4% body fat, which I have never seen, nor will I ever, especially not at this phase in life. 4% body fat, 205 pounds. So that's in 2019, goes through a couple seasons, and by the time 2021 rolls around, he, in the middle, kind of in the middle towards the end of the season, finds himself in the tight end room, and now it's time to pack on a bunch of weight. And so he he went on the uh, football player put weight on you diet, which is basically, you know, 
eating peanut butter with a spoon out of the jar, the chocolate milk. All the protein. All the protein protein shakes, six or seven meals a day. And um, said Wes that he can't he can't even look at an uncrustable now. <laughs> now would that have an effect on him playing that slot type of tight end position if he's playing at a heavier weight? I think you know when you, to bring it forward here. You know, so so let me back up a little bit. So he's two thirty ish or so, kind of by the end of twenty twenty one. And a lot of that's not even good weight because you're trying to put it on in the middle of the season, which is really hard to do. You're you're too tired to eat. You're you know playing in games, you're practicing. It's, it's kind of hard to keep on weight. The off seasons when you really got to build, you know, to what you want to be at. And so then he was able to kind of dive in and have that full off season. So what was he at this past season? Well, I think two forty five or so. Now he's two forty something here at South Carolina. Two fifty looks great physically. So I think he's at a weight to, yeah, he can still split out wide. I mean, we saw Austin Stogner, for instance, who's a mm-hmm. big tight end. He he did some of that last year. You can do that, but with Trey Knox, you can move him around, and he's certainly big enough, and we talked about his willingness as a blocker. He likes getting in there and blocking, too, which I think is a something I honestly didn't even realize. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, I mean, I had heard this was this was kind of from the Arkansas side of things, man. I had heard... That was part of the reason that he left was that wasn't maybe completely happy with how he's being used. And again, this is Arkansas people sort of saying basically he didn't he didn't like having to be an inline tight end so much and you know having to block. So um, so I'm with you, but that that I think is is good to know from a South Carolina perspective. And I think you can you're going to have to block if you play tight end. Now, I think there's a difference between being a slot tight end and kind of being flexed out and having to put your hands on, you know, a nickelback or having to sort of create some space and go sniff out a linebacker to sort of cut him off if there's an outside run to your side. And, uh, you know, you can kind of use some technique there versus lined up, attached to the line basically as an additional offensive tackle and you're asked to just straight up block a defensive end or block a linebacker and create movement. Uh, You know, I think those are two different things. Those are two different asks for a player. And so for for him, I I think if you're South Carolina, you're just going to want to be There's a lot you can do with Trey Knox, and I think you just got to be smart about about how you use him because clearly, I mean, this guy's going to be a huge part of what they do on offense this year, and it's a a brand-new tight end room. It's a (laughs) new-look tight end room, but I I think you've got some – we've talked about it before, man. You've got some versatility among the guys in this room. You've got some versatility among the skill sets. You can probably carve out quite a few different roles for these guys in the tight end room. Yeah, you look at this – 
ability for some of these guys. We we don't know yet. I mean, I'm sure Pete Limbo has Shane Beamer. They have their ideas about how they want to use some of these guys on special teams too. I mean, you think last season some of the players that South Carolina is missing, Nate Atkins was a huge guy in terms of what he could do for you on special teams. So whether you look at you know Trey Knox, Nick Elksness, Josh Simon, are these guys going to be counted on on special teams given their size to athleticism ratio? Probably so. But Knox is someone who, I mean, he has, it's, it's definitely not a stretch to say that he's a receiver in a tight end's body because he was a receiver. I mean, that that was his game. You can go back and watch clips from him from high school. He looks, aside from the height, totally different from a physical standpoint. But he's got those receiver skills. And even when he moved to tight end at Arkansas, I think last season, started all 12 games, didn't have a huge statistical year, but he caught five touchdowns, had 26 catches. And then that, you know, ability or that and that willingness to continue growing and learning as a blocker and continue growing into a position that he's still relatively new at, I think that's should be pretty exciting from a from a ceiling standpoint. Given Loggins and Steps' familiarity with Knox and the fact that there's complete turnover in the tight end room, does that give him a more prominent role early on as they're maybe still trying to figure these other guys out a little bit? My personal opinion is, yes, he's going to have a very prominent role. Um, I don't even know if it's going to be because of the familiarity. I, I think he's probably just going to be that good. And I mean, I, I have high expectations for him. I, I think there will be a way for Trey Knox, Elksness, and Josh Simon to all have roles and have different roles to where they all find ways to get onto the field early on. Um, you know, I Josh Simon is the guy that I really I haven't quite pegged yet as far as how he will fit in. Um, you know, th- there could be a you know Josh Simon is a heck of a wide receiver type as well, even though he's not a wide receiver, but a heck of a receiver I should say. And so there, even though they're built a little bit different, there may be some competition there between Trey Knox and Simon to be. Let, let's say you know we always say all right, three wide receivers, who's on the field. So you'd have three wide, one tight end. Who's the one tight end on the field when South Carolina lines up for a first and ten, non goal line, non third and one, you know, just base offense? Mm-hmm. Right now, I would probably give Trey Knox the edge. And I, I think that's just I, I think he's probably the most talented guy in the room and is someone who can Go go make some plays for you in the passing game. As we've documented, the tight end room has cleared out, and so it's a totally new group. And um, I want to dive into that a little bit more on the other side and kind of look a little bit back at last season, look forward to this season, maybe even do a comparison, put ourselves on the spots a little bit. Yeah, we'll keep that conversation going on the other side. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Back out on the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you. Continue our conversation about the tight ends for the Gamecocks. And relating it back to Dow Loggins. Given that he comes over from Arkansas as the tight ends coach. And as we've talked about 
This is a brand new tight end room. All these guys new to the program here. Is this the position group that maybe you feel like Loggins kind of mold any way he wants, given that everybody's new to the program? I think there's a couple that fit into that category. And and not to say those are the only positions where you have some questions. You know, you, you don't really have questions at quarterback. All this is, you know, barring injury. You even have a little bit of question at receiver just in terms of, you know, maybe you're a starter, maybe how, how your rotation, who your top six ends up being. You got some questions on the offensive line, you know. Um, it could shake out a few. You have some guys that are probably set realistically, but – others that are going to be position battles. But, yeah, I think in terms of how you want to use the personnel and just the newness of everybody and how there's a complete clear out, tight end's probably the main one. Running back could be another one because all indications and expectations are you're going to see a new face, new faces there. Some guys, Mario Anderson, that's already on the roster, but then maybe somebody from the portal. But I think tight end is, is a natural one to go to. That's probably the answer. You know, you lose Austin Stogner. You lose Nate Adkins, you lose Trey Kenyon there, you lose Jaheim Bell, who did a bunch of different things. You're bringing in some guys that have those different skill sets, though. Not not the exact skill sets of the guys you're replacing, but nonetheless, some some versatility and some different types of guys in there. I think to a man, like if you were sitting around maybe uh, belly to a bar with guys in the program right now, coaches, I think they'd tell you, um, you know, and we've heard this, Nate Atkins is the the guy that they are really going to miss just because he's he did, and this has been one year, y'all, but he did so many things mm-hmm. well. And he, consummate team guy, professional, helped on special teams, did the dirty work. I mean, we talked to Spencer about it in here, how at, at one point in the season, Chris, you remember they were just like, all right, we need a blocking running back for passing downs. Let's just put Nate back there. And, you know, if, if y'all notice, he, he literally was playing. Now, they were not going to hand him the football, but he was playing the running back position on third down passing situations. And so just the versatility that he brought, the grit that he brought, you know, I, I think was is something they are going to miss. And, you know, I I, I really like the athleticism they've added to this group. And I, I like the fact that, the group is is actually very well spread out. It used to be, and what I mean by spread out, I'm talking about the eligibility each guy has left. It used to be, I remember those Spurrier classes, man. As good as Carolina got for that stretch, they were notorious for missing out on certain positions and having to load up. Remember, you know, oh, they're taking seven wide receivers in this class. Or then it'd be like, oh, they got to take... Um, you know, five defensive ends and this, and they would have to stack them up and hope mm-hmm. that, you know, I'll get a Juco in there and, you know, then five freshmen are coming. You know, now you actually do have, if you have a situation where um, you just have a ton of attrition at one position, you can go out, all right, this tight end has one year left. This tight end has two years left. This one has three years. This one is a freshman. I mean, they, they literally flipped the tight end room in – Pretty much one weekend um, as far as transfers go. Now, there was a lot of work that went into getting the high school guys and flipping a Reed McKeska. You know, I, I think, um, you know, Cam Sandlin was a guy I think they, they were in pretty good shape with for much of the process before he committed. But I don't want to over, you know, kind of generalize it. But as far as transfers, they flipped them 
in one quick weekend. I, I really like what they have with Knox. I like what they have with Josh Simon. Those guys, you sort of hear the phrase like grown man mm-hmm. attached to both of them. When some of these transfers come in, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, you can just look at them and you can say they are physically developed. Like they're, they're men as opposed to somebody who just got out of high school, you know, who's a, a, a young man or a kid. They're actual grown men. And I think that's what you get with Knox and Josh Simon. The, the guy that I feel like we just haven't, we just don't know about yet <laughs> as far as transfers go would be Elksness, yeah. who... Chris is going to have to be someone who can use that big frame to do some dirty work for them, to be a blocker and to hold up and kind of take on, I wouldn't say all the Nate Atkins sort of versatile stuff. I think some of that gets absorbed into Josh Simon. I think Josh Simon's a versatile guy. You can kind of line up all around, but Elksness probably will be lined up the way Stog was at times you know, attached to the line of scrimmage, true, traditional, big-bodied, actual tight end. And that's the guy we we just haven't, we just don't know yet, you know? Yeah, a little bit of the forgotten man, but I think that's because he is less established, right? I mean, <clears throat> you're talking about some of the freshmen, Sandlin, McKeska, they look physically impressive, but they look physically impressive through the lens of they just finished up their senior years of high school. The other guys, as you said, I mean, there's a clear difference between looking at Trey Knox and Cam Sandlin through no fault of Cam Sandlin's. He has not had that opportunity to develop that that much physically. So, you know, you look at what they lost is significant with, with Stogg being able to play in line or play outside, Adkins, all the different spots he lined up. But you have some guys in Knox and Simon that could maybe in a different way recreate some of that, maybe even give you a little bit more in the passing game, maybe less in the blocking avenue. Elksness is still, I think we forget, even though he's a transfer, a relatively young player, but mm. special teams experience at Florida and probably and comes to South Carolina with the, a little bit more of the book on him being that he is more that blocking type. Yeah, and I, I think um, when, when you look at this position moving forward, it, it is completely new, guys. It is a situation where there will probably be some some learning along the way. Like there's going to be kind of a, a a filling out period in the spring and, and they're going to have to all take a little bit of time to get on the same page with Spencer Rattler um, to get sort of the, I, I would say um, the timing down and, and it's, it's a new offense as well. It's a new offense scheme, new offense coordinator. So it, it's not going to be just what you would call maybe plug and play, but I do think, being able to take some transfers and some older guys and some guys that have played, you know, actually a couple of guys have played at the SEC level even, gives you much better belief in just being able to kind of keep rolling there than if we were living in five years, you know, 10 years ago and you had to go 
high school, high school, high school guy. Well, and you, you bring up a good point in that you know what you're going to get. You know, when, when you're designing, not, not that Dow Loggins is sitting over there in the ops building right now saying, gosh, I wonder what in the world we're going to do on offense. You know, they have a framework, obviously, and he's run offenses before, but just in, in thinking about what from your past you want to put in or even tweaking things during the season, you have a body of work from a Trey Knox and a Josh Simon, several years of it, where you can go and say, I feel like these guys can do this because they've shown it on film. You know, so from that standpoint, you bring in a freshman, you can look at their high school film, all that stuff, but you're to a degree not quite sure what exactly you're going to get out of them. You may be asking them to do something they aren't as good at doing. They're not as experienced. They're not big enough. They're not seasoned enough, strong enough. These guys, you have a much better feel for, and you're more, um, a lot more comfortable with it. Speaking of being comfortable, before we jump into the next segment, you want to be comfortable with who you are inviting into your home to make sure that you have the best smart home services possible. It's absolutely beautiful outside right now, guys. And so if you want a great outdoor solution to be able to watch baseball, listen to the GC Takeover on 107.5, you want to make sure that you have a great signal, the right equipment, all that good stuff. Check out the team at Integrated Media. Michael and Nathan do a phenomenal job. They've been in my home. They can do all the same for you. Any solution that you can dream of from an audiovisual standpoint, they can make it happen. Smart homes, if it's something as simple as just an outdoor TV setup with a really cool sound bar, if you want Sonos wireless speakers in your home, or if you want a complete smart home solution where you can control everything from your smartphone, they can make that happen for you. Go check out their Facebook and their Instagram accounts, Integrated Media Columbia. Visit their website at integratedmediainc.com or give them a call. It's 803-948-8327. We're running up against a break, but when we come back, want to hit on the new on three rankings, Wes. Get some of your thoughts on that. But also tie up, finish off this discussion on tight ends with a little bit of a comparison between last season and what we may see this season. Yep, we'll talk on three rankings and tight ends on the other side. Listen to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Broadcasting live from the Herndon Chevrolet Studios, this is 107.5 The Game. Discover Herndon Certified. Herndon Chevrolet's premier used car warranty. Shop with complete confidence knowing Herndon Chevrolet has got you covered. Stop by or shop online today and see why Herndon Chevrolet makes you smile. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs wrapping up the Wednesday edition. We've had this in the queue for a couple days, wanting to talk about it. Uh, On3 has changed their recruiting rankings. Uh, it was traditionally weighted equally across the several different recruiting outlets, but They've now decided they're going to weigh these a little bit differently now. Yeah, so, um, Chris, this was discussed before. Uh, I know Shannon Terry even had put it on Twitter, asking people what they thought maybe a couple weeks ago. I got a feeling he probably already had his mind up <laughs> at that point. But uh, So the, the new way of doing things is that the on-three industry ranking, which kind of just replaces the on-three consensus, the consensus was essentially 25, 25, 25, 25 uh, percent. And so that's on three, 24-7 sports, rivals, and ESPN. The new way of doing things is going to be 35 percent for on three, 35 percent for 24-7, and 
and then 20% rivals, 10% ESPN. And, you know, Shannon, Ta- Shannon Terry's answer, sort of response to why uh, he wants to do it this way is just basically based on the amount of resources that the sites now put into actual recruiting rankings. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it'll be interesting to see how this shifts. It, it It's really not a huge difference in the numbers. And, again, you really can't you can't know until three or four years later who was most accurate as far as ranking guys. But um, were, were you surprised at all that um, that on three decided to make this shift? No, I mean when, when the consensus came out, like you alluded to, it was it was equally weighted at first, um, which made sense if you went that route. But I think this one makes sense too. I mean. Um, like, I think about ESPN, for example, and this is no knock on them, but if you go to recruiting camps, um, if you just kind of follow the industry, there's not as much manpower resources, unless there's something I'm totally unaware of, devoted to scouting kids, you know? So, now, could they end up having, when you look back in three or four years, very accurate rankings? They could. Um, however you get there. But when you put more resources, more manpower, more hours, more time into it, you know, the argument here is that, you know, you need to give those a little bit more weight. And, you know, just speaking about how on three does things, I mean, Charles Power, who we talk about all the time, we know the time and effort he puts into it, how he does things, what he values. And he's very upfront about those things too. Mm -hmm. You don't go through and say, how are they... What are they doing? Lots of transparency. Are, are they just looking at offer lists and throwing, you know, are they just watching a, a, a five-minute highlight tape on each kid, each kid? Very transparent. We can also, Wes, officially, should we officially kill off the theory that everybody's out to get Gamecock commitments in the rankings? Well, Is it I official? mean. We've killed no, it off. No, I, I don't know if we can, man, because <laughs> I saw on Twitter yesterday um, or the day before somebody, you know, well, on three, moved Dante Reno to a three – First of all, no, Dante has actually been a three-star yep. in the own three rankings yep. um, for for months. Yes. And uh, he's been a four-star on the consensus and, um, you know, the 247 consensus as well. But I, I, so I, I don't know if we can because here's the thing. People follow recruiting to different levels. So mm-hmm. if you are a recruit, Nick, and you're following every little thing, I think you've probably seen, certainly with Charles, I mean, that's just not the case. But if you follow this thing from like a broad perspective and you're not really paying attention to every little thing, you you see somebody tweet, hey, he's a three-star now. And then you, you get that in your head. Oh, that must be true. <laughs> oh, yep, they drop people because Carolina, you know, for one, he's been committed since July 4th, I think. So it's like you... You, they waited this long to sneak in that little sneak right. attack just, just on his uh, ranking. And, uh, you know, they, Wendell Gregory is ranked higher by on three than he is by far, you know, by any other site. And, you know, Lenore Sellers on three had him way up there before anybody else. So, you know, I, I don't really buy that at all. And I think Charles, I mean, Charles does a fantastic job. If you, if you are sort of a recruit, Nick, and really into this stuff, 
Like, go back and, and watch on YouTube when we had Charles on last. Like, he gave very detailed <laughs> answers on multiple commitments, signees, and really just dove into how he even does, like, logistically does recruiting rankings. And I, I thought it was it was really exceptional just the, the amount of information he gave us. Well, and off of that, as we close out here with that shift in the formula of the on-three rankings that has moved a couple of South Carolina prospects around in terms of their overall ranking with on-three now. Yeah, you know, to an extent, I, I think for the most part, the guys – stayed somewhat now you, you gotta you gotta also remember on three and i i do think people are going to continue to get confused by this so on three industry ranking is the one with all four then there are just on three rankings on three just updated their rankings as well their like internal their, rankings yeah internal rankings um so there have been some shifts that were also because of that as opposed to because of the the new is this an algorithm? Is this a, I feel like it's not. I feel like it's not uh, complex enough to be an algorithm. It's an average. It's a formula. Formula. Yeah, yeah. It's a formula. It's a weighted. It's right. a weighted, weighted average. average. Yeah. There you go. There, there you go. go. Um, but, Basio Bennett, the guy that I, yeah. I think, um, you know, the, and, and Charles told us this was going to happen. He was at one point listed as an athlete, and now he is a true wide receiver. And he was like two twenty something overall before. Now he is um, 164 overall in the industry rankings, number 31 receiver, and he is number 126 overall, number 20 wide receiver in the uh, on-three-only rankings. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Hubs. Tyler West and Chris will be back tomorrow. Also tomorrow coming up on the Garnet Trust Hour from 10 to 11. Going to hear from Luke Doty. Luke quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks. So very, very excited to hear from him tomorrow. Halftime show with Jay and Terry coming up next on 107.5 The Game.